One of the awesome things about uh, Pentecost is that in a time when you had to know a pretty narrow uh, language to understand the works of God and to hear all of the goodness of God, um, God was, as he sent the Holy Spirit, he was just blowing the doors off of that thing. And so that every culture and language and location on the earth would be able to understand and comprehend the goodness of God and what Jesus was all about. And uh, so I wanted, uh, so we have a lot of different languages represented even in this congregation. And it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's amazing. And uh, so on Pentecost here, I wanted uh, to invite one couple up who just represent one of the many languages uh, just to pray over me. Um, and they'll pray one in Korean and one in English just to kind of bless this time. And so Tim and Sarah, if you guys could come forward. Um, so in, in, in Acts, in this place in Pentecost, though, we see actually supernaturally every person hears, here we go, every person hears uh, what is being communicated in their own language. I'm totally game if God does that this morning, okay? So we can, we can pray for that. I mean, that'd be amazing if afterwards you're like, that whole message was in, you know, Hindi or whatever. I'd, that'd be really cool. But we've also got a lot of neat languages represented, and so we're going to incorporate a couple, just a few of them, uh, into the service, at least in a way that we can kind of control. So, so thanks, for, thanks for praying over, over our time and over me. So, awesome. Awesome. They'll, they'll just do their thing. So this is for me and for us, that the Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us uh, over the course of this time. So uh, before we dive into God's Word, let's, uh, let's all open our hearts to just receive what God has for us. Jesus, thank you so much. You are worthy. King of kings, Lord of lords, worthy of honor and blessing and praise, thanksgiving, we lift you up, we exalt you in your beauty, in your majesty, your kindness, and your power. We lift up your kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. And we thank you, Father God, for breathing on us your presence and victorious life. We declare Pentecost revival individually. Lord, we thank you for the tongues of fire that's on each individual here today. We thank you that you always keep your promise. You always keep your promise. We thank you for the mighty wind and your gentle whisper on each person. 
And we just say, Lord, for more of your measure of presence and open heaven in our personal lives and corporately, Lord, a revival and Pentecost in this body that will go out from here to the community in New England and beyond. We thank you for John. We just bless him, Lord, that you would speak your oracles through him. Lord, even the things that are spoken, that it would be transforming. But Lord, even the things that he doesn't say, that you would speak to each one of us. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your love and your heart to move. We thank you and we celebrate with you. We love you and we surrender to all that you are, all that you're calling us to, in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you. Today, we have gathered together as worshipers of the 하나님께 드립니다. 오늘 오신 줄 날인 것처럼 성령님이 강림하사 하나를 모두 여기 있는 분들에게 성령이 내리기를 기도드립니다. 또 오늘 설교를 통해서 하나님의 말씀이 저희들에게 다가와서 변화가 되기를 바랍니다. 그리고 부흥이 일어나서. 지금 이 시간 이 자리에 하나님이 같이 계신 것을 믿습니다. 한 사람 한 사람 안에 성령님이 강림하사 변화가 되기를 기도합니다. 이 모든 것을 예수님의 이름으로 기도드렸습니다. 아멘. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's awesome. Powerful. Mm. It's so good. So, over the course of my life, uh, following Jesus, one of the struggles that I've had, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure if anyone else can relate in here to this struggle, but I had a struggle of disqualifying myself. Um, I will find things or come up with reasons about why I uh, don't think that I could be used by God. Uh, why I feel uh, he'll, he'll be speaking something or I'll sense him leading into a place in, in a church context or in the, the larger kingdom of God. And uh, quickly, it's, it's way easier for me to go to, ah, I don't think that would be for me. I don't think God would use me because of this. Um, in these different settings. Now, especially if I'm in a place where I feel outside of my comfort zone, uh, this becomes in, in kind of an increased uh, challenge. And so around 10 years ago, uh, I had the opportunity. I was just finishing up uh, my time in seminary, and I was just about to step into uh, my p- first pastoral role in, in general, but also in our movement of churches. And I had a chance to spend a whole summer in Sri Lanka. Uh, one of my best friends is Sri Lankan, and his dad 
um, oversees a large network of uh, church plants in Sri Lanka. And uh, so I was invited to go over to just get to live life um, in his world, get to meet his friends, where he grew up, and also be a part of what God was doing in a powerful way in the midst of uh, the Sri Lankan church. And so I, I was going over primarily with a mindset of, I'm going to learn. Uh, I'm really excited to learn these different things, be a part of what God's doing, uh, be taught. That's a, a comfort zone place for me. I'm a learn. I love learning. I love digging in. And uh, so that was more of a comfort zone. Um, I knew that there might be some places where they'd ask me to help um, serve or be involved in some way. But, uh, but primarily, that was kind of what I was going for. So as I get over there, uh, very quickly, I learned that this, uh, I found out that this was going to be a learn-by-doing experience. Uh, this was not going to be a sit on the sidelines and uh, just observe. This was a, I got there and my buddy Prashan was ready to go out of the gate. Hey, I've got house churches lined up. You're going to lead the house church meetings. You're going to be preaching on Sunday mornings at various churches around the country. I've got all these youth I want you to disciple. Uh, there's a conference coming up, our whole youth conference. I want you to be one of the speakers at it. And uh, so this is like, oh boy, uh, what in the world is going on here? I immediately became pretty uncomfortable and was thinking to myself, okay, uh, every, pretty much every place I'm going to be communicating through a translator. I've rarely ever done that. I don't understand this culture very well. I come from a totally different culture. My skin color is very different uh, than, than every other person that I was around. Um, the, the list kind of went experience. I'm thinking to myself, uh, I have a decent amount of academic experience, a little bit of practical experience, and, but not nearly as much as I'm uh, kind of going into and just feel like I would need. So the so Lord sets me up into this situation um, and I start thinking, you know, on the front end of this trip, where's the place for me? Do I play a part? Can I even play a part in what God is doing in, in building his kingdom, in building the church uh, in, in Sri Lanka? There was one, one uh, little vignette really early on that I think sums it up well. Uh, the Prashan's dad, Adrian, said to me, hey, why don't you, I, I thought it'd be awesome if tonight you went to this one house church and, uh, you know, just kind of be a part of it. It's a really, it's just a powerful group of people. And uh, it's in a very kind of poor part of town. And uh, so, so that's, that's what I get on the front end. I'm in the car driving to this with um, some Sri Lankan pastors. And uh, the one pastor who's going to be translating for me turns and goes, so just want to, you know, get the schedule right and... Um, so, so I'll be translating for you, so there'll be some prayer, some worship, and then, and then we'll have you, you, you'll have about 45 minutes to share. And I'm just like, really? Okay, this is news to me. Uh, I thought maybe a five-minute greeting of, hi, I'm friends with Prashan, I'm honored to be here. And uh, here I am, 45 minutes with the mic. There was no mic, but you know what I mean. And uh, so... Uh, but it begs the question, so God kind of cornered me to this place of, uh, does everybody get to play? Does everybody have a part to play 
in God's kingdom with all the reasons that we could look at and say, uh, this is why I don't think I fit in or why I don't get to play or I don't belong here or I'm too much of an outsider. How could God use me? Uh, the question is important as we go, as we're in this sermon series, building God's kingdom. It's a vital question that we answer. Who gets to build the kingdom? Is it just a select group of people? Is it just a few of us in, the, in just the right setting and context where we feel comfortable and we fit in culturally and kind of all these things take place? Uh, or is there another answer? Is there another way that Jesus is laying out uh, as to who gets to play in building God's kingdom? And uh, what's, what part do we play? So that's, that's what I want to look at this morning uh, as we look at this passage. And uh, I want you to be thinking, have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where you were feeling invited into something by God and you thought to yourself, I don't know if I have a part to play in this. Or I'm not really sure what my part to play in this is. And uh, you came up with some of those disqualifiers. Well, this should disqualify me. This is the reason. This is the reason. And uh, so we're going to look at a passage today that I hope is going to speak at helping answer some of that question. Uh, what part do we play in building God's kingdom, and who gets to be a part of it? So as we jump into this passage, uh, Acts 6, 1 through 7, I want to actually invite two, two people from my life group up to help, help read this. Um, so Edith and Callion, if you guys could uh, come up, that'd be great. So one of the great things, our life group has a bunch of different languages presented, and uh, so sometimes for our warmer in the beginning, we'll like share phrases and things like that. And then um, usually I'll try them and butcher them and we'll all laugh. But, uh, but I just thought it's, it's neat um, to just hear a representation of some of, of, some of the different ways that um, God communicates. Okay, so uh, let's see. Actually, can one of you stand there and grab that mic? Here you go. This is Edith. She's awesome. She's going to... She's going to read in Spanish, and uh, Kalyan is going to read in Hindi. So I'm going to read a verse, then Edith will read, then Kalyan will read, then I'll read the second verse. And so you guys can just sort of follow along um, as we go. So Acts 6, verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. En aquellos días, al aumentar el número de los discípulos, se quejaron los judíos de habla griega contra los de habla aramea de que sus viudas eran desatendidas en la distribución diaria de los alimentos. Un dino me jab chele boj hote jate te to un yunino basha bolne vale ibronio par kurkurane lage ki pratidin ki sevakai me hamari vidvao ki sudi nahi le jati. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Así que los doce reunieron a toda la comunidad de discípulos y les dijeron, No está bien que, nos, que nosotros los apóstoles descuidemos el ministerio de la palabra de Dios para servir las mesas. Tab un baro ne chelo ki mandali ko apne paas bulakar kaha, ya tik nahi ki ham 
परमेश्वर का वचन छोड़कर खिलाने पिलाने की सेवा में रहे Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit of wisdom, spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. Hermanos, escojan de entre ustedes a siete hombres de buena reputación, llenos del espíritu y de sabiduría, para encargarles esta responsabilidad. Isliye ye bhaiyo apne me se saat sunam purusho ko jo pavitra atma aur buddhi se परिपूर्ण हो चुन ले कि हम उन्हें इस काम पर ठहरा दें एंड वी विल गिव आवर अटेंशन टू प्रेयर एंड द मिनिस्ट्री ऑफ द वर्ड असि नोसोत्रोस नोस डेडिकेरेमोस दे येनो अल ओरेशन ई अल मिनिस्टेरियो दे ला पलावरा परंतु हम तो प्रार्थना में और वचन की सेवा में लगे रहेंगे दिस प्रपोजल प्लीज द होल ग्रुप दे चोस स्टीवन अ मैन फुल ऑफ फेथ एंड ऑफ द होली स्पिरिट आल्सो फिलिप Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenas, and Nicolas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Esta propuesta agradó a toda la asamblea. Escogieron a Esteban, hombre lleno de fe y del Espíritu Santo, y a Felipe, a Prochoro, a Nicanor, a Timón, a Parmenas y a Nicolás, un prosélito de Antioquía. Los presentaron a los apóstoles, quienes oraron y les impusieron las manos. यह बात सारी मंडली को अच्छी लगी और उन्होंने स्टीफनस नाम एक पुरुष को जो विश्वास और पवित्र आत्मा से परिपूर्ण था और फिलुपस और प्रोकरस और निकोनोर और थिमोन और परिमनस और अंतकी वाला निकोलस को जो यहूदी मत So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Y la palabra de Dios se difundía. El número de los discípulos aumentaba considerablemente en Jerusalén, e incluso muchos de los sacerdotes obedecían a la fe. और इन्हें प्रेरितों के सामने खड़ा किया और उन्होंने प्रार्थना करके उन पर हाथ रखे। Awesome, thank you guys. Come on, we give them a round of applause. Awesome, thank you. Italian, man, I love it. I love it. It it really is one of the amazing things about Jesus coming in the form of a human, uh, someone who we could touch and talk with, and uh, and then him sending the Holy Spirit. Uh, that because of the holy spirit's work that we can all understand and know uh the the wonders of god the good news of god um it's amazing thing so i want us to look at look at this passage um with the rest of the time that we have here it says in those days when the number of disciples was increasing now when it says in those days I see that and I go okay so what days what days are we talking about here so just to set the scene uh the church this is the very early budding stage of the church uh it had barely gone outside of Jerusalem yet and so the whole church exists in one primary uh, geographic location and uh there there were some people who heard at Pentecost who took that back to their places but in terms of a growing developing church 
this is, this is it right here. And so most, many of us are familiar with Acts 2, 42 to 47. We heard this earlier in our series. They're, they're together. They're sharing things. God's doing wonders in their midst. They're celebrating. They're sharing meals. Because of the power of that experience, the church is growing. And more and more people are being added into their midst as the good news of Jesus is being shared. Um, and, and so the other thing that's happening is at the end of verse 42 there, just going back one verse, um, it says they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And so this is important because the message that was being talked about, the thing that these disciples, this growing number of disciples, followers of Jesus, what they were getting themselves involved in was that Jesus is, not was, Jesus is the Messiah, the alive king who is establishing a kingdom on the earth. So let me see if real quick and, and brief I can break this down. So there's all sorts of brokenness and destruction and evil in this world that has come about because of the sinfulness, uh, the death that comes when we turn and we, we walk away from God as individuals, systemically, all these different things. And Jesus came to right all those wrongs. So the kingdom that Jesus brought is about restoring broken relationships on many different levels. Uh, we probably in church settings hear a lot about the broken relationship that humans have with God, that Jesus came to restore that broken relationship. But he also came that our relationships one to another would be able to be restored in all of the places of brokenness, uh, that our own relationship with ourselves, our identity, our understanding of who we are uh, as sons and daughters of God, that he wants to come, he came, and that's his kingdom, that brings restoration into that place. But even, even on a bigger level, the environmental, systemic, uh, large-level issues on the earth today, Jesus' kingdom comes to impact those areas. And that is why he came and he set the church loose to be about this kingdom. And so we don't always kind of have that in our mind as we're reading these things and thinking of, of these disciples. But when they said yes to being a disciple, it was for that whole package. It was, I want to be about righting the wrong things on this earth and living according to his kingdom. So, uh, there's all these disciples. They're, all, they're pumped about this kingdom and that Jesus has brought. And it's increasing. More and more people are getting excited about being a part of this kingdom endeavor. Uh, so, what, so what happens next here? So again, it, it's increasing. Um, the Hellenistic Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So on the one hand, there's a lot more people joining this family of God and, and getting excited, albeit in a small geographic location, when you think about the whole earth, um, they're getting excited. We want to be about this kingdom, and, and that's, that's awesome. And even we see a very beginning seed happening, growing of something vital, and that is that uh, this message, this good news about Jesus, 
is not just being confined to one culture alone. Now, this is like just a little, a little step culturally. It's not massive, but you've got two different groups of Jews here. You have Hellenistic Jews, who are those who had embraced a good amount of Greco-Roman culture in the day of that day, um, even impacting some of the language that they spoke, as they were primarily more um, uh, found their heart language more in Greek. Um, and then you've got the Hebraic Jews, who through and through they found their culture to be uh, Hebraic, Jewish, straight out of the Torah, and all that kind of existed from there and found their home in Aramaic or Hebrew. And uh, so already, you know, we're not talking Jews and Gentiles yet, but there's a little bit of a difference here. The church is starting to move from being monocultural to multicultural. Again, small jump, but it's, 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 it's happening. And this is in the plan and the purpose of God. When he says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. The word there is ethne which is people groups, which is culture. It's all cultures. Go and make disciples of them so that they would be about building this kingdom. So this is what's happening. Uh, and so on the one hand, there's, there's, there's a kernel of good, good news here. Wow, this, this group is not just one isolated group. The ethne is starting to grow. You know, it says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That is as much breaking ethnic barriers as it is geographic. We can tend to think, oh, that's immediately geographic. But it's actually, it's going beyond ethnic barriers. So this is happening, um, and that's, that's a good thing. Uh, it's awesome. But on the other hand, it's leading to some issues. Uh, because of the number, the, the magnitude of people that are quickly jumping on board, um, needs are being overlooked. The needs of the most vulnerable in their community, the widows, are being overlooked. And especially the widows in the Hellenistic group of Jews, which that would have been more, uh, that would have been, not more, that would have been the minority group of these two at that point in time. So that's not awesome. I hope we can all get an amen that that's not awesome. Because um, it's not awesome. Uh, either, either of those things. So, what was... So that's, so that's part of the problem, okay? Um, I think I've set that stage enough. So let's, let's, see, let's see what happens. Uh, so verse 2 here. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together, and they said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So at first glance, I look at this, and, and the apostles' response rubs me the wrong way a little bit. I'm like, what? What's going on here? Are you guys are so above waiting on tables and, and like serving the needs of the poor. Like, what's going on here? And uh, uh, believe it or not, that's actually not what was going on in this context. And I want to explain this. But uh, what was going on was actually a strategy of deep care and compassion and concern uh, for the most vulnerable in their, in their midst. Nowhere in the actual story, as you, uh, if you're to kind of read it in the original language or look at the culture, uh, this, this idea that they're trying to step away and do the more important thing actually comes more from us reading our 21st century uh, 
predisposition to this sort of thing than in that context. Because in that context, actually caring for the needs of the widows and the most poor among them would have been seen as one of the highest priorities. That was one of the main reasons that Israel was exiled in, under the Old Covenant. And so for them, this is like, this is front and center. This should be critical. So we just have to, uh, anyway, that was a helpful like rebuke to my own uh, predisposition here as I was studying this. But um, so I believe that the apostles actually realized that they couldn't do everything. Uh, I might be reading a little bit into the text here, but I think they realized, that the 12 of them, they couldn't do everything in the body of Christ. And uh, so Jesus' way, I think they're thinking, okay, Jesus' way, how did he train us for three and a half years? Is that everybody gets to play. Everybody. We need to look out and see. Because at one point, it was the disciples, who now these 12 apostles, they were the ones who he was inviting in so that he could literally give the ministry away to them. And then he left. And so I believe that the apostles are thinking, okay, here's an example. We get to start really living out what Jesus taught us in terms of not holding on and controlling all of the most important ministry that happens in the context of the community of God. But we, we, we need to give it away. We need to give away this really valuable and vital ministry in the context of the church. So think about that. You are the 12 people, the primary 12 people who spent time with Jesus, and he poured his whole life into you. And after that whole time, you know, and we see this as we read the Gospels, there's definitely a place where, you know, who gets to sit at your right hand? You know, who gets... They're starting to get puffed up a little bit more. Now, hopefully there was some humility near the end of Jesus' life when they're still just like totally not getting it. And, uh, but, but think about this. Here, this is a critical moment that literally will impact how the church goes from here on out. Is, will they hold on to all of this and think that, you know, they're everything? Or will they release and give away and so it's an amazing thing that we see them do. They call, you know, they hear this complaint. Um, they say it would not be right. Brothers and sisters, to seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer, ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. You've got this list of seven. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So in that, in that day, it would have been typical for a political power or a group of rulers, if somebody starts complaining, to just immediately suppress them and just go, stop talking, we're going to suppress you, especially if it was some sort of voice that was coming up from a minority group. And it was, we suppressed that. But this is incredible. The apostles actually create space for that, uh, room for it. And then, here's what they do. They actually turn the whole system, the whole need over to seven people who represent that group of people. So, all seven of these names are Greek names. That doesn't, in and of itself, mean that they were all Greek, necessarily. Uh, it's possible that 
you know, Hebraic Jews had a Greek name here or there. But the fact that all seven were Greek, just about every commentator will say, that's a clear message that the, that the apostles were saying. We actually want to give this over to those who are going to be able to best meet these needs. And that we want to share the leadership. We want to share the responsibility. It even says it in the passage. We'll turn this responsibility over to them. That wasn't a like, up oh, our hands off now, you deal with it. No way. We see the apostles front and center continuing to lead and provide direction in the context of the church. But what they were doing is that they were getting behind uh, the fact that the church was starting to move beyond just the Hebraic, uh, the Hebrew-speaking Jews. And they're getting behind it. They're celebrating it. They're like my buddy Prashan, um, who, he, when I was over there, and he could tell I was a little uh, timid. I was a little self-conscious. He would just get behind me and say, bro, you've got great things to share with the youth in my church. Bring it, man. I know that you are a man who, and he would kind of list off uh, aspects of who I was, the person he knew me to be as one of my closest friends. And uh, he would speak those things, and they'd be like, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. You're about to hop on a van to go five hours into another part of the country with a translator you've never met before. Go for it. I trust you. Go for it. I see the apostles uh, going this direction. I see the apostles embodying who Jesus was. And what did they look for? They looked for people who were known. Uh, some translations capture this a little better. It, they had a reputation. They were known uh, a good reputation and to be full of the Spirit filled with wisdom. And so the power of the Holy Spirit was upon these guys' lives. And how appropriate to be talking about this stuff on Pentecost, where the great equalizer for all of us is the power of the Holy Spirit that every one of us has access to. Every one of us has the Holy Spirit in us if we have put our trust in Jesus and we're following him. Uh, or we've said, you know, yes, I'm going to follow you. Uh, every one of us has access to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's in us, uh, but the work of the power of the Holy Spirit and the transformation of the Holy Spirit that, that can take some time. This, this is what the apostles were looking for. So who, who's got the work of the Holy Spirit just flowing out of their life? Of their life? They're looking for that, and then they're saying, all right, come on, you guys have been living this. Go for it. There's a, a church leader uh, a number of years ago. Uh, he used to have this phrase. He would say, you know, I, when I'm trying to pick an elder in my church, I just look around and see who's elding. And, uh, and then I, I call them. I say, hey, you're, you're elding, so why don't you come and be an elder anyway? And, uh, the, and those, if we want some ushers, let's see who's ushing. And uh, we'll, we'll invite the ushers, you know, the person that's ushing into this role. Um, but the point is, that I want to make is that everybody is invited to play. All of us are invited into building the kingdom of God. Uh, we're all invited in this church community, and so I want to speak whatever the thing is that you think would disqualify you, God wants to flip it and turn it into something that would qualify you 
for the way he wants to build the kingdom. Some of our greatest testimonies, our greatest places of authority in our lives come in the places where we struggled the most. But we press into the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as a result, we have authority to minister. People in this room, if you've come out of sexual addiction, you have authority to minister healing and wholeness in that area. If you're sitting in this room and you're still in a place of struggling with sexual addiction, keep bringing the work of the Holy Spirit to bear in that place on your life. He wants to be working in that place so that can be a place that catapults you into building his kingdom in other people's lives. So I could go on and on. Uh, topic after topic. I just I highlight that one because it's, it's, it's part of my story, but also because it's just so prevalent. Um, and it disqualifies so many of us. And yet God is wanting to flip that thing on its head so that it's one of our greatest places of authority. So I want you to see, everybody, if, if people are called disciples in this passage, which is, it says that multiple times, the beginning and end, uh, the number of disciples were increasing. Uh, the number of disciples were increasing rapidly at the end. So you, this, this was a, um, I don't want you to think it's a works-based word, but, but it's an active word. This is not just converts, but these are people who are following Jesus in building his kingdom. Uh, in, in those ways I talked about, they're building his kingdom. And uh, so everybody, if they're considered a disciple, they're involved. They're playing. They're, they're getting involved. Uh, but then there's this interesting thing, and uh, it's not the main thrust of this morning, so I don't want to go too far down this path. But then there is a distinction that this passage makes and goes on and on throughout the New Testament, which is uh, there is a difference between those everybody getting to play and then those who are called into key positions of leadership within the context of the church. And I just want to say, the key piece in this passage for you know who gets to lead, who gets invited into those places, does not have anything to do with culture, with language, with any of those pieces. It just it has to do, who are the people who are stewarding the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives? and are living out of that place of power and transformation of the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then there's also this peace, this wisdom that is talked about that these men needed to have. Uh, most would say that that is because the role that these seven were being invited to play was actually that they were going to be receiving lots of resources that then needed to be distributed over a complex web and network of people and relationships and house churches and, and widows of, of different contexts and um, cultures, and that they needed wisdom. And so wisdom in this context is actually related to they needed to be the right fit for that role. And so one of the things we talk about a lot here is um, the right people in the right roles. Uh, what does it look like to get in that place where our gifts? And our passions line up perfectly with, uh, with what the needs are and what is going to help build and steward this community. Um, and, you know, one last piece that isn't explicitly in this passage, but then there's this, there's this kind of like middle ground. So what, what I'm trying to say is this passage is saying everybody gets to play. You know, everybody 
This is, this is Jesus' way. We're all disciples. We all get to be involved. And we've got to overcome those barriers that keep us back. Uh, yet, there's a specific element in here where uh, to key levels of leadership, it doesn't just happen immediately, and that's okay, uh, but that those who are walking out in the power of the Holy Spirit and the transformational work in his life, uh, that there is a place where they, um, there's a place for them, and there's a need for more and more and more and more. The Jesus way is that leadership gets reproduced and reproduced and reproduced, and it's not about just a few people who have kind of all the authority. Um, then there's this kind of in-between place. So we have a church this size. We have a situation. We're not necessarily increasing rapidly, but we are growing. The numbers in, in our community are increasing, uh, especially if you serve in children's ministry. You feel the impact of that. And so there's, this, there's some needs in our own congregation uh, to serve. And this is sort of a Again, I'm stepping aside from the story just for a moment here to apply this to our context. But um, there's certain roles where I would say if you, you know, maybe you, you're just still thinking about following Jesus. I'm like, come, join this team. Like, I want you to be a part of this. There's a place for you to serve. Um, but then there's some other roles where we might say, like children's ministry, for instance, we, we're gonna, there's going to be some places where we're going to say, okay, we want to create a safe environment for our children to serve. And so there's going to be some different uh, expectations or um, requirements, if you will, to ensure that the right fit, the right people are able to serve in children's ministry. Um, so, so I just want to, I don't want to, I can't explain all that is in there, but just to say that part of our heart is uh, every person here, we do believe, God's desire is to release you into the purposes that God has in your life, in your family, uh, with your friends, in your workplace, even in the midst of the relationships in this community. There are, there are times where, you know, I'll tell you, myself, Brendan, Bri every person on staff, uh, we are not territorial. We are like, okay, who, if I see you and you are extroverted, I am coming after you for my greeting team. I just want you to know that. It's like, we, we just want more and more people who are a part of welcoming people into the home. If people are great with kids, it's like, come on, join the team. We're, we're looking to get as many people in this community, in the game, to play. So if you ever have a feeling of like, I don't know if this analogy or illustration will work, but, um, you know, if you were ever the last person picked to play kickball growing up, I don't know why, I just that always seems to be the example, but, uh, like, if you have that feeling, I just want you to know there is a place we actually need you to be a part of this community in order to fully represent who Jesus is. Uh, everybody gets to play. If we want to represent Jesus all the way, we need the whole body at work. And so I want to, okay, I want to land this plane. Uh, it's amazing. So they call these guys, they present them to the apostles who pray, they lay their hands on them, that's a sign of conferring blessing, authority, and saying we bless you, and uh, you know, impartation of the power of the Spirit, go for it. And, and then what? What is the response? 
the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. That's powerful. That every the different people playing the right parts. This is like a precursor to what Paul and Peter would develop more fully in, in the letters about um, you know the body, every piece needing to... I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Peter especially, since he was here, as he's writing in uh, 1 Peter 4 about, hey, if your gift is to serve, serve with all your might. If your deal is to speak and preach, preach as if you're preaching the very words of God. Everybody contribute the gift that God has given you to build up the body. I wouldn't be surprised if, if Peter has some of this in mind. Man, remember, I'm, I'm speculating here a little bit, just, just go with me, but if you say, remember when we had that pivotal decision where we got to decide, is this just going to be a select few who really build the kingdom, or are we going to start giving this away so that everybody can be a part of building the kingdom so that the needs of the community can be met? So this is interesting. The needs of the community get met, therefore... The disciples continue to grow. So when the needs of this community are able to be, are, are getting met because the body of Christ, everybody's contributing. They're bringing their, their, their needs and then they're having their needs met by others in the community and we're bringing our gifts. Then it leads to increase as more and more people want to be a part of that community. And we have more and more resource to give out of as we uh, impact the world around us. And so that's part of what we're trying uh, to build and be is that building this church is not necessarily just building the kingdom of God. Building the kingdom of God is where we take what God's doing here and we take it where we go throughout the week. We impact Waltham and Boston and the ends of the earth in amazing ways. And it's the type of church uh, that we want to be. But the all the way back at the start, Every person had to play a part. And it was that piece that allowed the church to continue to spread. And then it, and you just start reading through Acts. And what grew as this little seed, or began as this little seed, grew. And it goes, okay, so then it's not just Hebraic and uh, Hellenistic Jews. Then we start going in, oh, now a Samaritan. Now, whoa, a Gentile. Whoa, and we just keep on going as the good news of Jesus continues. And we see all different types of people getting to minister out of the power of the Holy Spirit as the great equalizer, uh, the one who qualifies us to be a part of his kingdom and to have something valuable to give. Uh, if the worship team could come forward. Um, my, I turned my grill timer off just a little bit before it went off so that I wouldn't be shamed in front of everybody. But uh, no, I wouldn't care shame. But so I just we're we're about at the end of time. But I want to create still just a little space here for us to respond uh, to what God is doing in our midst. So um, I feel like two two pieces that I want you to uh, bring before the Lord. Um, where, where is a place that you are disqualifying yourself from serving and being a part of building his kingdom? Uh, and I want you to bring that place 
before Jesus and to ask him what, what, to, do, what to do with that. Uh, hey, here's a reason I feel like I can't serve. Here's a reason I feel like I can't build this kingdom or I can't get involved or I don't have a place in this church community. Whatever the context is, I want you to bring that, bring that before Jesus and see what he has to say to you. See uh, how he would meet you in that place. Um, and then the other place is you might be thinking, man, I've been serving. I feel like there's a call on my life to lead in a greater capacity. And uh, in that place, I, just, I want you to bring that to the Lord. Um, it's somewhat of a follow-up from last week where Sean was preaching about the powerful, amazing women that helped birth the church and how we want to be a place where women are right alongside the men in bringing about the kingdom, in this building of God's kingdom. And so last week, dreams and purposes were spoken into women's lives. And so we want to take that and just take it to the next level and say, God, what else do you want to say into that place? But I want to bring that to all of us, because we've all got reasons why we would disqualify ourselves or, or think, ah, there's not a place for me, especially in the context of leading. And uh, bring that to the Lord. Um, and uh, and speak to him or speak to him about it and uh, be open to what he would respond back with as well. Um, so the team's going to close in, with uh, one song, and I want to invite you to stand uh, and bring this bring this to the Lord. We will, um, as we if you saw the letter from Sean this week, come the fall. We are going to be multiplying to two services on Sunday morning. And uh, Sean can share more about that in the weeks to come. But um, that's to create more spaces for more faces uh, in, in these seats. And in order to do that, we want to be able to serve people well who are coming in, who are getting connected into our community. Um, so just in, as we move forward, there's going to be opportunities to serve. And so I want you to bring that before the Lord. And, uh, God, where's my part? Uh, we're not an arm-twisting culture here. Uh, you're not going to get too many people twisting your arm because we want you to respond to Jesus and uh, jump in and be a part to the exact place that he is leading you to serve. Awesome. So bring that. The, the front is open if it's helpful for you to respond by coming forward. Um, if you do, it's likely that someone will come by and uh, offer to pray for you. So if you want somebody to pray for you in any of these places or themes that God might be highlighting, um, yeah, want to open that up and offer that to you.